The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with April J. Ford. April has faced adversity in her life, such as childhood sexual abuse and becoming a widow and a single parent at 32. Through all of her challenges, she has managed to rise above them and conquer her life. She'll help you to do the same. Now, here is your host, April Ford. Welcome to You're Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. I'm April J. Ford. Our interesting topic of discussion today is the ripple and domino effect of violence against women. It's a men's issue. And before I bring on my guest, Dr. Jackson Katz, of course, you know, you guys, I'd like to say hello and a warm welcome to all of our global listeners out there. I think China is still in the lead on our listening board. So hello to China. Of course, here in the U.S., we've got Washington, D.C., L.A., North Carolina, Chicago, San Antonio, Phoenix, and going back abroad, France, Australia, Swindon, Israel, Canada, Dubai, London, Egypt, Philippines, Mexico, and the list goes on and on. Thank you to all of our listeners out there. So I offer this show as an example for people who may feel alone during adversity, that they are not alone, and that there is hope. Your journey called life is filled with happiness, success, fulfillment, and even disappointments and adversities. I'm here to say that there's golden blessings to be discovered even when life throws you a curveball and you can still experience joy. I created a formula in four steps on how to have a roadmap and blueprint to rise above these challenges. And these are recognize, respond, reevaluate, and rebalance. Now, this roadmap guides you on finding who you are and how to handle challenges. This is how you will transition and transform into who you're truly meant to be. And to find out more, go to the website at feeljoyagain.com. I believe on taking a holistic approach on implementing these four steps. So this show will bring on expert guests focused on empowerment. So on with today's show, I encourage you to... Really think outside of the box to expand your awareness, thought process, and perception. Domestic violence just doesn't start and end with the involved spouse. And speaking from my experience, my mother was a victim of domestic violence. However, it caused a ripple and domino effect to the rest of the household. Since, you know, me being the little nine-year-old girl at the time who faced emotional, mental, physical, and even sexual abuse. And the other domino effects that come into play are generational role modeling with the youth, health concerns such as depression, suicide, eating disorders, self-image, anxiety, loneliness, and we all know the list goes on and on. So I, I encourage you guys to join our discussion today with TED Talk speaker Dr. Jackson Katz. He points out that 
Violence and abuse are often called women's issues. However, they are intrinsically men's issues and shows how these violent behaviors are tied to the definitions of manhood. And both of us really encourage you guys to take a stance and break the silence and cycle of violence and abuse. A little bit more about Dr. Jackson Katz, he's an educator, author, filmmaker, and cultural theorist who is an internationally renowned for his pioneering scholarship and activism on issues of gender and violence. He's a co-founder of the Multiracial Mixed Gender Mentors in Violence Prevention Program, that's MVP, which has been implemented extensively in high school and college campuses in the United States as well as abroad. MVP is also the most widely utilized sexual and domestic violence prevention initiative in both college and professional athletics and the U.S. military. Let's give a warm welcome for our guest today, Dr. Jackson Katz. How are you? I'm great. Thanks very much, April, for having me on your show. Well, I want to level set the stage. You know, I don't want our listeners thinking this is going to be a male bashing <laughs> segment with the title. Um, let's set the stage, Dr. Jackson Katz. You know, first, let's start off with the languaging of when people hear, you know, women's issue or gender issue. You know, when they hear those phrases, gender, they typically think it's, you know, synonymous to women or race um, issue. They typically associate it with minorities. Can you speak a little bit more on that so that we can, you know, speak on the same language as we start our segment today? Um, well, sure. A big part of my work, at least my, you know, sort of scholarship, if you will, and, and a lot of my talks and trainings, I spend a lot of time talking about um, the need for a, uh, a shift in our understanding of issues like domestic and sexual violence that have historically been understood as women's issues that some good men help out with. And um, I obviously have a problem with that uh, frame. Um, I don't think these are women's issues that good men help out with. And in fact, of course, I would argue that they are men's issues. But they're also, of course, women's issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, women are directly impacted, and women in a multicultural, multi-ethnic, and international sense have been at the forefront of pushing to, to you know, to hold offenders accountable, to, to provide services for victims and survivors, to change cultural practices that underlie the abuse. But women have been doing so much, but there has no, not been anywhere near enough work on the part of men. And men, you know, I'm sad to say, but it's just a simple fact, men commit the vast majority of the abuse. I mean, sometimes women are abusive, but the overwhelming majority of domestic and sexual violence is perpetrated by men, and uh, that cuts across all the social categories of race and ethnicity and geography and nationality. And to call, you know, domestic violence or sexual assault a women's issue, it kind of shifts the focus off of men. And, and it mm-hmm. says, you know, men don't really have to pay close attention. And so I think the, the, the first act of shifting the paradigm or shifting people's thinking is to say, yes, this is a men's issue. It doesn't mean that men are bad or that somehow men are born biologically programmed to be abusive. That's nonsense. But it means that men are the primary perpetrators and that men are also in a position to change that and to challenge other men and to change institutional and cultural practices that perpetuate the problem. But part of the challenge with language, as you suggest in your question, is that the very way we use language to talk about these issues keeps our attention off of men. So, for example, when people hear the word gender issues, whether it's applied to, to a sexual assault or, or domestic violence or other issues, they'll just think, well, that's for women, as if mm-hmm. men don't have a gender. I mean, right. men are every bit as gendered as our women. And, 
So and they tune out. When they hear that, they just tune out automatically. Yeah, and that's why I think we need to say explicitly it's a men's issue. Because if people say, well, you know, these are people's issues, they're community issues, they're public health issues, they're social justice issues, all of which is true, but using that kind of gender-neutral language, a lot of men just don't even, they, they don't think it, it applies to them. They just kind of go along their business. And I think we need to say explicitly, if you're a man in 2015, and you're, you know, you're a, a responsible member of your family, your community, your, your society, you need to really pay attention to these issues and then figure out what you can do to use your, whatever sphere of influence you have to make, to make it so that you know, it doesn't happen and that you can play whatever role you can, constructive role that you can, in partnership with women, in partnership with other men. Um, and, you know, I think we, we have a lot of work to do, but, I mean, I, I have to say in a promising way that I am part of a growing movement of men, both, you know, you know in the States and internationally, a growing movement of men who are finally beginning to, you know, building on women's leadership or beginning to go into parts of male culture and address these issues in a very forthright way. And I think a lot of men while they might initially come in defensive, can, ver- you know, can respond to that positive challenge. So let's take a, a step back a little bit. How did you personally get involved with this cause and this topic? Well, it's been a long time because I started as a young, you know, university student, as a, you know, 19-year-old. And, and, and one of the events that happened in my life was that I lived in a dormitory or residence hall that was co-ed. Men and women lived, you know, mm-hmm. in the same hall. And I remember going, coming home late from parties, you know, late at night, walking across campus, not even worried or concerned about my personal safety, which I'm not saying was a, a smart thing to do, but it was just the way it was. Mm-hmm. And remember, I remember thinking about my women friends who lived in the same hallway. Their lives weren't anything like as free as mine, and they, especially at night, they were very concerned about their, about their physical safety right. and their vulnerability to sexual assault. And I remember thinking, if I were a woman and I had to worry about this, Every day, I'd be pretty ticked off about it. And then I was a, a journalist, a student journalist, and I was covering a, a rally that women students had organized for, for better lighting on campus. And this is now in the, you know, the early 80s, 1980s. And they were, you know, picketing and you know, cheering and chanting, mm-hmm. I'm saying, and, and, and saying, we need, you know, we need better lighting. We need to be able to go, you know, use, use the resources of the campus at night, and we can't if there's all these dark spaces. And I remember right. thinking... Wow, how messed up is it that that you know women have to like fight to just get ba- treated get basic right. basic dignity? And I remember thinking, not that, that these women hated men, but I remember thinking these are these are leaders. These women are strong women who are standing up for themselves and for other women and men who you know who have the right to live free of violence. And I remember being inspired. And then I remember thinking, well. Where are the men? You know, why aren't there men out here? Why aren't there men who are standing up and speaking out? Because I know that most men care about women, and uh, you know, our, whether it's our you know loved ones or other women mm-hmm. who are right. in our families and our friendships and our marriages, our daughters, our mothers. Why aren't there more men speaking out? And as a young guy, I was pretty confident and self-confident, and I thought, you know what? If other guys aren't doing it, I'm going to start doing it. And I just started speaking out, and it and just became my you know sort of life's passion. Wow, so you're basically the the voice and the advocate. It wasn't did you have a role model in your personal, you know, upbringing? Could it be your mom, your aunt, your grandmother to instill that in you? Um 
I did, although it was more, it was complicated. It was a complicated picture. But I did have a, a mother who was a professional woman, and I and she had you know some uh, success in her professional life, and so I, she was a strong woman who didn't uh, who didn't back down, if you will, from you know from. Uh, Taking on stuff that had traditionally been seen as you know men's you know men's roles and and such. So I I, I had and I had some uh, other women around me who were who were um, in, at varying levels you know strong women. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of men in my life that were models that I was going to emulate on this mm-hmm. set of subjects. Um, and that was a, that was a challenge early on because I had to kind of. You know, yes, I was mentored by women, and then when I went to university, I had some very, very strong and smart women professors who became, you know, as well influential. Um, but I, you know, it, it was it, I was also a big, you know, I played uh, sports and I was a very successful football player uh, as a young guy, and so I was pretty confident that I that I that I could speak out as a man, and that and that I was not intimidated by you know the male. Culture or the male sports culture, because I had I had learned from an early age that a leader is somebody who takes a stand, who stands mm-hmm. for what they believe in, you know, um, who walks. Even if walk. it means standing by yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. At least initially, I mean, I think I had a lot of support from women when I started to speak out as a as a nineteen year old, twenty year old guy. Um, but increasingly, I think over the last couple of decades, there's in- increasing numbers of men who have joined with you know me and others, and so there's now a whole lot more men and young men all over the world who are you know who are standing up and speaking out in this way. All right, Dr. Katz, let's go ahead and take our first commercial break. And when we come back, I really want to dive into you know what's really going on with men. You know, we hear that. You know, from your point, this is really a men's issue about, you know, sexual abuse, rape, domestic abuse, and the list goes on and on, as well as other issues in society, such as sex um, sex trafficking. But when we come back from our break, let's dive a little bit more into what's really going on with men. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Has life ever thrown you a curveball called challenges? Or maybe even a boulder called adversity? You are not alone. How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with Grace, Gratitude, Love, and Joy is about finding the gold in life's challenges. April J. Ford shares how tragedies from her past taught her the alchemy of adversity. Who we are inside and the way we handle the challenges we face is how we transition and transform into who we are truly meant to be. Pick up your copy today at www.feeljoyagain.com or by clicking on the link on the You Are Not Alone show page. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
If you're looking for tips for personal success, look no further than DJ and the Bear, keeping you at the top of your game with your hosts, leadership and personal effectiveness consultant, Dietta Jones, and Richard Dent, formerly of the champion Chicago Bears. Together as a husband and wife team, they've raised a family, owned two successful businesses, led major philanthropic initiatives through their foundation, and lived the ultimate lifestyle. Find out their secrets. Listen every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. tuned into you are not alone to reach april j ford or her guest on today's program you may call in to 1-888-346-9141 again that's 1-888-346-9141 if you'd rather send april an email her email address is april j ford at joys now back to you are not alone how to rise above life's challenges Welcome back to You Are Not Alone. We are speaking with Dr. Jackson Katz today, TED Talk speaker. And on his talk of that show, he nearly got 2.5 million viewers on his segment, Violence Against Women. It's a men's issue. So I'm glad to have him on with us today. So Dr. Katz, tell us what's really going on with men. Well, obviously that's a big question. I mean, Let's put it, put it this way. I don't believe that boys or male children are born biologically programmed or predestined or genetically predetermined to be abusive. I think that's nonsense. And so the question is, how are we socializing boys? How are we defining manhood, both in, you know, in the U.S. and all over the world? How are we defining manhood in ways that are leading a certain percentage of boys and men to link being a man with being you know, having power and control in relationships with women, having the sexual entitlement to women's bodies, you know, downplaying or disregarding women's opinions or thinking that women are somehow less than, you know, men, if you will. That's all people would say learned behavior rather than genetically predetermined. But I would rather say rather than learned behavior, I'd rather say it's taught behavior because if you say it's taught behavior, it it shifts the onus of responsibility onto those of us who are teaching boys and men what it means to be a man. And that's everything from parents to teachers to media and sports culture and pornography culture, all of the things that teach boys and men the norms of what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, what is manly, what is not manly, how to treat women with respect and dignity or how to treat them with disrespect, you know, um, all that's taught behavior. And I think we could be teaching boys and men a lot better than we are. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, me being a single mother of um, a daughter and a son, and right now they're only 9 and 11, I think I was having a discussion with a friend a few weeks ago. I forget what the topic was, but basically my response to them was, well, the only way to really teach them is by example, and not just my daughter because she's a female and I'm a female. It's like I'm setting an example for my son as well as to, okay, what? how does he treat um, you know, a woman when he when he grows up in the world, how should he treat her, and um, what's appropriate and when it what's you know acceptable and not acceptable. So I think that's a very good point. And you also triggered something else within me because the 
nonprofit that I created, Joy's Gift, they were featured in the wallstreet.com about some of the suggestions. And I'm sure you can speak on this with your MVP program on, you know, being a role model to some of the athletes, because just, just using sports as one example, I, I think that there's really great coaching on the field, but when it comes to off the field, there's really no coaching for these young men. And during this time, there's a lot of lifestyle, drastic lifestyle transitions because a lot of them may not have had the privilege of growing up with a lot of fame and fortune and money. And here they are coming out out of college and now in the sports leagues, um, you know, obtaining all this fame and status, which basically feeds their ego and false sense of power. You know, they don't know what to do with all that. And it just all leads to destruct- destructive habits of physical abuse, you know, consumption of alcohol, addiction to drugs, infidelity. And we all know the list goes on and on. So the point of that article was that, okay, where's the leadership and coaching off the field? You know, on the field, everything's great. But what about off the field? Is that something that you talk and teach in your MVP program as well? Um, oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, the, the idea of leadership on the field, in the absence of leadership off the field, is not really leadership. So it, if you're a real leader, it, you're a leader 24-7. I mean, that's one of the basic concepts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, how, you, how you act in the world, if you will, outside, off the court, off the field, off the ice, it is to me even more important than how you act on the field. I mean, leadership on the field is, is much easier in many cases than leadership off the field. And while I, you know, respect people who take, but men and women who take positions of leadership in their sport, uh, you know, actually on their team, et cetera, I'm, I'm much more impressed by people, young people and old, who, um, who take risks to be leaders off the field, off the ice, off the court. Um, and a big part of my work with athletes and my colleagues' work with athletes is is, you know, we, we use what's called the bystander approach. We talk about not just you yourself have to treat women with respect um, and dignity, but if you see your teammates or you see other men not treating women with respect and dignity, then you need to figure out how you can challenge and interrupt that. Um, it's not just about your own personal behavior towards women. It's about how you relate to other men, what role you play in your peer culture. And athletes, you know, for good or for ill, often have a lot of status in their peer culture, and not just within the insular athletic world, but also in the larger society, because, you know, society after society is in the, around the world is pretty sports-crazed, and a lot of these men who are successful and young men who are successful have enhanced status as a result. And so part of the reason for working with athletes and it's not the only group we work with. We work with a whole lot of different groups of people, but athletes ha- play a certain role in kind of defining sort of the epitome of you know, masculine success in some regards. And so whenever I'm working, for example, with professional athletes, and we work extensively with professional athletes, it's, I'm always thinking about kids. I'm always thinking about the effects these, guys, these, these you know, older men who are successful athletes have on kids and, and, and coaches at the youth level, kids, you know, people who are coaching soccer. If, you know, some 27-year-old guy or 39-year-old man who's, who's coaching soccer, how, how does the behavior of soccer players who are high-profile elite athletes and coaches, how does that behavior affect the 39-year-old guy who's coaching youth soccer and how, what are the norms that are created in professional sports and how do those norms filter down into the expectations of younger men and, and, and women in, in all, at all levels of society? And, and so I think sports has a really important role to play. Coaches have a really important role to play in all this. Um, 
And uh, I think, you know, I think once guys, again, hear this message that, that being a strong man means standing for justice, challenging and interrupting abusive behavior, that being one of the guys just going along with bad behavior, you know, that, does, that doesn't take anything special. Mm-hmm. What takes something special is a guy who says, you know what, these are my friends, these are my teammates, but the way they're talking about women or treating women um, might not be so cool, and I'm going you know, to speak up about it. That takes a whole lot more strength and um, and, and in some cases, courage, and that needs to be, you know, respected rather than, uh, than, than dismissed. So you call this the bystander approach. Basically, it's creating a, peer, a peer, peer-to-peer culture climate of what's acceptable, right, and what's not acceptable. That's exactly right. And, and by the way, it's very similar to, with racism. If you're a white person and you don't act out in racist ways or tell racist jokes or make comments but you don't say anything when other white people around you make those kind of comments or act in those racist ways, then in a sense, your silence is a form of consent to their racism. Well, I think it's very similar with sexism. And I think the guys need to be challenged to not just, you know, to, to not be silent when, you know, when their friend is making, you know, derogatory term, you know, comments about women and say, mm-hmm. turn to their friend and saying, hey, you know, I don't appreciate what you're talking about or how you're saying that. And that, you know, girls and women should be treated with respect and that's not cool. And then, of course, guys will often say, well, you know, I'm not going to say that because, you know, they're going to think I'm soft or they're going to think I'm politically correct or they're going to think that I have some issues. And, I, and, I, and that's, that's the heart of the problem right there is that, right. Is that right. there's pushback from some guys who are, you know, honestly threatened by you know, being, being challenged to, to be, you know, good people, basically, because this is all basic stuff, April, right? I mean, we're not talking right. about some radical intervention. We're just saying people, just women, doing the right well, thing. men should yeah. be treated with respect. Right, right. And I, I think it really, people should, like you said, maybe take a stance and really realize it really takes one little ripple to start an effect. And it's, if that's you standing up and making a comment to break that silence or cycle, and eventually help the overall problem of abuse and violence. I think you mentioned that in your TED Talk when you said, um, was it a Martin Luther King quote of words of your enemies versus silence of your friends? What was that again? Yeah, in in the end, what will hurt the most is not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And and that's Martin Luther King uh, among the many great things that he said. I also have to say that men's violence against other men is a big problem all over the world. And so... In my work and my colleagues' work, and we work with both men and women, I mean, obviously I'm focusing on the men's piece of it, but the same system that produces men who abuse women produces men who abuse other men. So mm-hmm. when guys will say things like, well, yeah, what about guys who are victims of abuse and harassment and violence? And I'm saying, yes, absolutely, let's talk about that. Most of the time, guys who are victims of violence are the victims of other men's violence. And, and it, so, so if, you're, if your concern and compassion is with men and boys, as well as with women and girls, then, then speaking out about this and, and having men and women work together on trying to solve some of these problems and trying to redefine manhood away from power and control and dominance and enforcing your will through, you know, through violence, if you will, that, that's going to benefit men as well. And it, as well as the fact that, of course, so many of us men, this is such an obvious point, so many of us have, men have women and girls that we care about deeply, and that everything that happens to those girls and women happens to us by definition. So the idea that somehow this is a women's issue and a women's concern that men you know, aren't really a part of, it's, that's nonsensical on many, many different levels. And when I say this kind of thing, I give lots of talks all over the world, really, 
I, a lot of it, what I say is really basic, and people say, wow, that was so interesting. And I, and I appreciate that they <laughs> yeah, say that, yeah. but it just shows you that how far we have to come when a man like myself says something that's so basic and people think that it's like kind of a revelation. It's that right. they haven't heard enough men saying it. They've heard women saying it. And I appreciate that, and women's leadership has been critical, but um, it needs to be much more normal to hear men say these kind of things. Right, I totally agree. It has a, a greater um, impact. So I know we, we only have you for our first segment today. Last two questions before we let you go. What, are, what do you think the consequences are of being silent? Like you said, it, it's a form of complacency or consent when you don't say anything and speak up. What are some of the consequences so that people can realize, if well, if I don't say anything, um, this could be a result of it? Sure. Well, I'll, gi- I'll give you an example. I mean, if you're a guy and you have a guy friend who's, let's say, texting his girlfriend constantly, right, constantly, like, not because you don't get the sense that it's just because he's in love, but you get the sense that it's crossed the line. Now he's controlling. He, really, he needs to know where she is at every moment. He needs to know who she's with, what she's wearing, you know, these kind of things. And he's your friend, and he's texting her all the time. Well, if you're, if you're trained and educated about the subject of domestic violence, you'd know that this is a very big red flag because it's It's controlling concern and and controlling (laughs) correct it's controlling and it it might suggest that there was actual abuse of another kind going on like behind closed doors maybe he's physically abusive but maybe not but but we know from decades not just years but decades of both you know research and on-the-ground work with abusive men and 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 battered women that non-physical forms of controlling behavior will often graduate into physical forms of controlling behavior. So when he's just text- he's texting her constantly, maybe he's not being physically abusive, but this is a pattern that suggests that if it's not, if it's not interrupted, he could graduate into starting to push her into the wall and grabbing her neck and, you know, punching her or slapping her. I mean, I'm sorry to say domestic violence is a huge problem in the world, and it starts somewhere. And if you're his friend... And you're, you know, you're, say you're in high school or, or university, you know, you're a young guy and you see this going on, it's not just concern and compassion for her and, and his girlfriend or his, you know, the, his partner, which is important too, but it's also concern and compassion for him because if you care about him, right. then he needs to be intervened. In other words, somebody needs to help this guy because he's not, he's not making good choices, he's got issues, and he's hurting other people, but he's also going to hurt himself. If you don't do anything, if you just walk away and say, I'm not going to get involved, that's kind, of, that's kind of messy, or it's none of my business, or I'm not really sure if what's going on is what I think is going on, so I'm not really going to get involved, then you could be, like, you could just be walking away from a situation where your friend goes down a really dark path and hurts the women around him and the men around him and maybe the children around him if, if one day he becomes a parent. And is this really what it means to be a friend? Is this really, is this really having your, 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 your boy's back, your, your teammate's back? Is this really you know, what, who you want to be in the world, somebody who walks away from, you know, from those kind of situations? Or do you want to you know, do something different? And, and we don't tell people in the MVP model, we don't tell people this is what you need to do in this situation because life is too complex and there's too much context that we can't know about. But we say, you need to think through, you know, your obligations to her, to him, to yourself. You need to think through all this, and then you need to think through a range of possible choices. And if you do that, you know, you're more likely to make a good choice, both for them and for yourself. And it's pretty, you know, it's pretty basic stuff. And if you generalize the concept that I'm talking about, there's so many life situations where 
this sort of applies, so many situations, and especially when it comes to, by the way, children and the protection of children, because, I mean, the sexual abuse of children is so common in our society and globally, and most of it's done by men, not all of it, but most of it, and a lot of the men who are doing it have friends, they have teammates, they have colleagues and co-workers. Now, not all those individual men around the men who are doing it know what's going on, but if you're educated, you're going to see, there's, there's more likely you're going to see warning signs, you're going to see kind of right. behaviors that might give you a, an ind- indication that maybe he's not an abuser, but maybe he's acting in a way that's going down that path. But all this requires, you know, re- requires taking some risks. Instead of walking away and pretending that you're not seeing it, it's, it means having to say to your, you know, your uncle, hey, May, the way you're talking about women, I don't like that. I don't appreciate the way you're degrading women. You know, a woman comes on the TV, you're sitting around watching a football game, and a commercial comes on, and there's some woman in the commercial, and, she, and, he, and one of your, the guys in, your, in, the, in the group says something really degrading about women. And you just don't say anything? And somehow you're not part of the problem? I mean, again, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but everybody has to make choices about you know, what they are willing to put, put up with, what they're willing to participate in. And if you frame it in a positive way by challenging them to rise to the, you know, the better angels of their nature, a lot of men will say, you know what, I, I, I wish I would be able to say something because I don't like the way that this guy's treating his girlfriend or talking about women. But when other men hear that other men are doing that and other men are supporting men who do that, they're more likely to take those kind of risks. Right. I totally agree. Now, Dr. Katz, I, I, like I said, I appreciate your time with us today. I, you know, hopefully you can get back on the show with us for um, your more pearls of wisdom. Where can our listeners find out more about your work or maybe for some of the men out there on, you know, if they're interested on, you know, standing in the gap and coming alongside and helping women with this issue? Where can they find you? Thanks, April. I mean, there's a few places. I mean, if you want to see my TED Talk, you just go to TED.com and type in my name, Jackson Katz, K-A-T-Z, and it'll come up. Um, my website is my name, JacksonKatz.com, and the website of my organization, MVP Strategies, that's, who, that's where we run the programs in the military, in the sports culture, in schools. That's MVP, Mentors in Violence Prevention, MVP, S-T-R-A-T, MVPStrat.com. All righty, everybody, let's give Dr. Jackson Katz a warm thank you for being on our segment today. And make sure you stay tuned because after the break, we'll be taking questions. And if you'd like to call in, it's 888-346-9141. So see you after the break. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Joy's Gift is a 501c3 nonprofit that empowers women and youth to transition from tragedy to triumph, from loss or sexual abuse. Our program emphasizes a foundation of developing true self-mastery of independence, Our services provide a support system and infrastructure of wraparound resources for services focused on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Restore someone's hope, love, 
peace and help them develop self-mastery of independence by sharing your gifts with Joy's Gift at www.joysgift.org. That's joysgift.org. Like so many others, do you put on a game face to the world? The pressures of work, home, and personal life exerts its toll on us on a daily basis. Yet, it feels risky to let others see what lies beneath the facade, let alone talk about it. What would be possible if we could connect with each other at a deeper level, in the place where our shared humanity lies? Tune into Stories from the Heart of Leadership with host Shamin Sadek to discover how to do this in your own life. Listen live every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com tuned into you are not alone to reach april j ford or her guest on today's program you may call in to 1-888-346-9141 again that's 1-888-346-9141 if you'd rather send april an email her email address is april j ford at joys now back to you are not alone how to rise above life's challenges Welcome back to You Are Not Alone. I'm April Ford. And for those of you just joining us, I encourage you to rewind and listen to the replay replay of this segment. We had Dr. Jackson Katz from MVP. That's the Mentors and Violence Prevention Program. He did a TED Talk on the topic of violence against women. It's a men's issue that got, you know, more than two and a half million viewers. So go ahead and rewind the replay to this. I'm sure you guys will have um, a lot of pearls of wisdom and nuggets of wisdom in there about that topic. And so for this half of our episode, I wanted to answer some of the questions out there um, from our viewers and listeners all over the world. So I have a few of them. If you still want to call in, the number is 888 Three four six nine one four one. Some of the some of these questions don't have names, but I do have regions. This is coming in from Canada and where is this Montana? Is your book "You're Not Alone: How to Rise Above Life Challenges" only for women? Oh wow! Okay, so first, you know what? None of us are ever immune to life's challenges, uh, guys or, or, or girls out there. So no. And second, since the book is coming from a, a women's perspective, not only my perspective, but also I've interlaced um, some other women's stories in there. I'm sure the guys out there can relate to understanding, you know, what their wives or sisters, mothers, um, that are going through. So would it be a bad idea for you guys out there to read a copy for yourselves too? And really, you know, what You Are Not Alone is really about is finding who you are and how to handle challenges. And when they arise, you know, what do you do in this discovery process? Um, like I said, it's really about transitioning and transforming into who you're truly meant to be. So I know that's a long um, answer to your question is You Are Not Alone Only for Women. So the answer, the short answer is no. <laughs> and let's take a look at the next question. You mentioned in your book of women being, doing, and having it all. Can you elaborate on this? 
how do you, oh, I guess this is a combined question. How do you, April, do it all considering all that you have gone through? Well, actually, this is a very timely uh, question because I do have an upcoming segment. I believe that's next week with Beth Rosen. She is a writer for the Huffington Post, and we had a discussion. We're going to have a discussion on this. Um, you know what? My thing is, you know, with all the roles and responsibilities of women, oftentimes come the risk of ignoring or diluting our own health or spirituality you know, parenting, love and relationships, our happiness, success, even our own dreams and goals until eventually it's it's interrupted, disrupted, or eventually destroyed. You know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be responsible with all those roles and responsibilities, but we have to reevaluate a better way of being, doing, and having it all. I know there's a term out there that we're going to speak on in, uh, in an upcoming segment with Beth on the alpha mom syndrome, but I, but I really think there's a better way of being and doing and having it all because the reality is, you know, you can't have it all at once and we have to prioritize what's really important. You know, at one point in time, I, I must say, I have to admit, you know, I was that alpha mom of being, doing and having it all. But when my life was turned upside down and becoming a widow and a single parent, I, I started asking those life questions you know I don't wish upon anybody for anybody to experience of my traumatic situations of hardships but at that point in my life I was asking questions like you know if I achieved all this I obtained my American dream of being doing and having it all well what does it all mean now and what really fulfills the meaning of life so you know since I basically now being a single parent, I have to fulfill both roles in my kids' lives as the provider and the protector as well as a nurturer. I have, you know, I, I still have to quote unquote be the alpha mom, but I would say I define it as a, a more redefined 2.0 or 2.0 version. <laughs> so hopefully that helps with your question. And let me take a look at another question here. This is coming in from New York. You have experienced a lot of trauma in your life, but you managed to come out with a positive message. What is your secret? Well, I'm I am very transparent, and I always start at the beginning saying, you know what, I'm not perfect, and but I could still say that I've come a long way from where I once was, and I do have a step-by-step approach, such as you know I've shared on the show the four-step process. One is being able to you know, recognize how to move beyond the current circumstance or situation that you're in and really find a path towards um, finding your freedom and experience joy. You, You know, I know that everyone is different and each circumstance is unique in its own way. But what I have found that during the times when I was facing you know, deep sadness, depression, uh, loneliness, um, you know, whatever the adversity is or dealing with the loss. What really helped me, for example, was having a plan and I didn't have to really do this alone. I know a lot of us think that we feel alone when life throws us a curveball. Nobody else would be able to understand what we're going through. So whether you particularly use a method that I come up with or not, I encourage you to come up with a method, you know, come up with a method and a plan to realize 
where you're at. You have to view life kind of like a GPS. You know, when you get into your car, you type in your destination on your phone or on your your center console. You type in a destination, and before you get to your destination, you're given the, you know, turn-by-turn directions, and before you're given the turn-by-turn directions, you first have to know and recognize your starting point, you know, recognize where you are um, in order to be able to implement the turn-by-turn directions towards your um, destination. So hopefully, New York, that answers your your question. And let's take another one. What is your unique way of coaching or mentoring people using the four steps that you mentioned on this show? Um, what I've heard from people, you know, when they talk to me is that I'm able to connect with them and they feel more comfortable and really revealing the details of their emotions and experiences that they typically wouldn't share, you know, even with their own therapist or counselor, family or friends. And I think people just really want to talk to somebody who has gone through the same path that they're on. You know, nothing against those people who are also trying to help them, you know, be it their their family, friends and counselors. But but on the other side of the coin as well, I also help those other professions, um, the counselors and therapists, connect with their clients. It's almost like um, train the trainer. <laughs> okay, we've got a question from Donna from Kansas City and Amanda from Reno. Oh, you guys have the same question. Okay. From your abuse in the past, do you still keep in contact with your son you gave for adoption at 16? Uh, the short answer to that is no, I don't have direct um, contact with with him. And another question from, oh, Orange County. Okay, so in the California. This is coming from Anonymous. She's a survivor of sex trafficking. Since becoming a widow, are you open to finding love again? Okay, my short answer to that is four words. Um, I believe true love never ends. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and take our commercial break. And when we come back, I'll try to answer more of your questions. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Has life ever thrown you a curveball called challenges, or maybe even a boulder called adversity? You are not alone. How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with Grace, Gratitude, Love, and Joy is about finding the gold in life's challenges. April J. Ford shares how tragedies from her past taught her the alchemy of adversity. Who we are inside and the way we handle the challenges we face is how we transition and transform into who we are truly meant to be. Pick up your copy today at www.feeljoyagain.com or by clicking on the link on the You Are Not Alone show page. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. 
Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April J. Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. Welcome back to You Are Not Alone. And if you're just tuning in, I encourage you to rewind to listen to the full replay of this segment in our first half of the hour. We had our guest, Dr. Jackson Katz. He is the TED Talk speaker with nearly two and a half million views on his topic, Violence Against Women. It's a men's issue. I want to encourage you guys to listen to that and break the silence and the cycle of violence and abuse. And he gave some good talking points in there, such as the bystander approach on stepping up and helping to break the silence. So in this half of our segment episode today, I am taking questions from our audiences all over the world. Again, I do appreciate our listenership growing globally, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Uh, Let's continue on with some of more of these questions. I don't know where this one is coming from. Let's see. Why do you think people come can't come out of adversity? What's one thing they can do to start? Um, well, let me, for, let me answer that question by sharing an illustration uh, for you. I call it the quicksand of adversity. So when life throws you a curveball or a boulder called adversity, your natural instinct is to react. And I'm not going to get into the biology and science of that and how our brain works in survival mode. But basically, you know, you're reacting in survival mode. So try to picture yourself in a quicksand and you're kicking your, you know, your legs frantically, waving your arms frantically. And the faster that you kick and scream and shout, the faster and deeper and deeper you dig yourself into the quicksand of adversity. And the moment that you realize that you just take a moment to pause and recognize, taking the first step of the four-step process to recognize where you're at and where you're trying to go, you realize, oh, I'm no longer sinking in my quicksand of adversity. But here's the tricky part on, you know, where people just stay frozen in their quicksand of adversity. They end up not doing anything at all and they stay frozen. And I I think several reasons somebody asked, you know, why can't you come out of adversity? It could be fear. Uh, It could be emotions that are consuming them if they're feeling depressed or stressed or overwhelmed. Um, I think it really comes down to having hope and believing and relying on faith. You know, one thing they can do to start is really make a change to see a change. You know, make a decision, one small step that will get you on your path to experience the joy and freedom that you deserve. You know, I always tell people, I I give permission for people to borrow mine, you know, borrow my trust, borrow my belief, borrow my faith until you've gained your own, you know, hope, your your own hope, your belief in your own faith. Uh, But, you know, they wouldn't be listening now, you know, if they 
knew, you know, nobody was at the other end of the rope, you know, for them and with them um, with hope. So I think it's something that we, it's almost like when you're looking in a tunnel, it could be that little glimpse of light and that's all you really need. It could be that little glitter of hope to turn the trajectory of somebody's path from a downward spiral on to getting out of that quicksand of adversity. And I'll quickly share another story on a lady that I coached and mentored. I'll just give her first name, Dora. Uh, Dora was in a place in her life where she really wanted to make a change in her life. She didn't like her living situation of having to sleep in somebody else's living room on a cot she, um, you know, she had a car that was always breaking down. She didn't have enough money, wasn't happy with her job. She she wanted, basically wanted to turn her life around, but she was consumed with fear of not knowing what to do. Her personal relationships really didn't help either because she was isolated and all of her negative self-talk fed into her fears and, you know, self-image. But, you know, in working with me and just eight weeks of coaching her, she was able to, you know, make that change, make that change to get out of her quicksand of adversity. So now I, I still get updates from Dora, even from just a couple days ago. She, you know, she has her own place. She's making more money. She's happy with her job. She's on, you know, I see her as like a little butterfly just flying um, on her own. So I'm getting a, a cue here from my sound engineer that we're running close up against our time. So let me just look at a couple more questions before I close out. Why did you leave your career with Intel? Um, you know what? I saw my adversities of being a survivor of childhood abuse, um, you know, dealing with that, dealing with loneliness, to dealing with the loss of my husband and managing the difficulties of being a single mom. I saw all those adversities as really an opportunity for me to reach back and pay it forward to others who are facing the same circumstances. And the way I really viewed it was, you know, I would be giving up on my dreams to help them if I stayed at my comfy six-figure figure career. And basically, basically, the way I saw it is I had a lot more to lose by staying because I would be giving up on those dreams to make a greater impact. So again, I appreciate everybody's questions. And if I didn't get to your questions, I promise I will read and answer some of those in our in our future segments. So keep them coming in. You can send it to April J Ford at joysofya.com and that's spelled J-O-Y-S-O-F-Y-A-H.com. And make sure you go to feeljoyagain.com. You just enter your name your email and you'll get a weekly email from me as well as practical tips and tools on um, how to manage daily life challenges. Alrighty, everyone, I'm April J. Ford here on Voice America with You Are Not Alone. I share my story and this show so that others can share their stories and have their glory so that others don't have to experience the extremities of what I face but would be able to take the fruit of my adversities and prosper with it. I give my permission to allow people to borrow my belief and faith. I give my love and light so that others can illuminate theirs. I share my joys and blessings so that others can share theirs and let others know you are not alone. Remember, there's gold to be discovered in their challenges. Know that you're not alone. Get inspired, uplifted, and empowered every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 
here on Voice America. We appreciate your joining us this week for You Are Not Alone. Please tune in for another edition with host April J. Ford next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.